أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أبت إني أخاف أن يمسك عذاب من الرحمن فتكون للشيطان وليا قال أراغب أنت عن آلهتي يا إبراهيم لئن لم تنته لأرجمنك لئن لم تنته لأرجمنك واهجرني مليا قال سلام عليكم سأستغفر لك ربي إنه كان بي حفيا وأعتزلكم وما تدعون من دون الله وأدعو ربي عسى ألا أكون بدعاء ربي شقيا رب شحلي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من السامي يفقه قولي والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ونسكين أبيوان السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته so we're going to continue talking about the exchange between Ibrahim السلام, and his father as recorded in Surah Maryam. And the last time we saw that Ibrahim السلام, has escalated the issue with his dad. Not one statement, not two statements. He keeps on going. First, he says, why do you worship something that dad can't hear, can't benefit, can't see? Then he adds, I have knowledge that you don't have. Knowledge has come to me that you don't have. You need to be following me. I'll guide you to a straight way. Then now, then he added a third. Ya abati la ta'bud ash-shaytan inna ash-shaytana kana lil-rahmani asiyya don't worship the devil that the devil is is uh, has always been in disobedience to his uh, to his to to ar-rahman now we're going to keep going he's going to add more he's not done and he says alayhi salam ya abati la ta'bud ash-shaytan i says ya abati inni akhafu an yamassaka 'adhabun min ar-rahman my father my beloved father dad i love you i am afraid that punishment from your master is going to get a hold of you or it's going to touch you. And yamassaka adabun min ar-Rahman. Fatakuna lishaytani waliya, then you will be a friend to the devil. Now this could be mean, meaning a couple of things, but we'll highlight at least one of those meanings, inshallah. So first of all, he now expresses that he's not having this argument with him out of rage or out of anger towards his father. He's actually really scared for his dad. And when you're scared for someone, then that is an expression, a powerful expression of love. And we have to, it's a, it's a difficult position that Allah has, uh, one of the difficult tests that Allah has created for prophets throughout history is that they had to, um, they had to speak to their family members and they had to give them their direct message of Islam. And they did this because they don't want their family members to be destroyed. They love their family, but their family would respond with hostility. Right, so this was actually a very difficult challenge that Allah had put the the messengers through. So you know, sometimes people take shahada, and their family, their mom doesn't become Muslim, dad doesn't become Muslim, etc. I was just with Imam Siraj Wahaj uh, last, you know, a couple of weeks ago before Ramadan started, and he was so happy because his mother just took shahada a week ago before I before I met him. Alhamdulillah, like he's. He's been giving da'wah to Islam his entire life, his entire life. And his mother, just just a week ago, she takes shahada, and he told us that when he was sitting there. And subhanAllah, 
you know, I believe she said it was she was 90 something <laughs> when she takes her shahada. So I can only imagine the pain that he goes through for those years when he's wishing that his, you know, because his mother's aging. And as she's aging, she's getting closer and closer to meeting with Allah. And that that anxiety that she's not going to be on the right side of things come judgment day is terrifying him. You can exponentially multiply that with people that are trying to give this message to their family member and they don't want to hear it. They don't want anything to do with it. And they, you know, uh, and, and those are prophets. Because it's not only that if you don't listen to a prophet that... Uh, you know, you have you're you have, you're answerable to Allah, but you're also committing the crime of not listening to a prophet, right? Which is a bigger crime than like if I was giving somebody da'wah and they didn't listen to me, it's not a big deal, because it's just me. But on Judgment Day, if some if Allah says the messenger came to you, Ibrahim alayhi salam tried to give you da'wah, who better than Ibrahim? And you still didn't listen. So they they have this unusual amount of pressure on them anxiety on them that on the one hand they are so terribly worried about their family but they still have to do what Allah has commanded them to do to deliver that message right now we also have to understand what Ibrahim salam does to balance that because these emotions are very strong and these emotions need to be understood because they're a big part of Muslim life what happens in many families for example is that a woman who's married lived her life as a Muslim but kind of a Muslim by name right and later on in her years, she discovers, maybe I should take my religion more seriously. So she starts learning a little bit more. She starts praying five times. She realizes some of the practices, some of the social gatherings weren't okay. Some of her, her habits weren't okay. So she makes toba from those things. But she, okay, she's, she's going through a change, but that doesn't mean her family's going through a change, right? Her husband hasn't changed. Maybe the husband still has a drinking problem. Maybe the husband still has a gambling thing. It was no big deal. They used to go to the casinos together. But now she's made toba. And now he still wants to go, or he wants to, they want to go to Las Vegas or whatever, you know. And then her, her children, they never raised them with too much concern for Islam. Oh, they took them to Jum'ah once in a while, or maybe every week, or they brought them to their Eid prayer. But now that she's woken up religiously, she wants to, she realizes that she was destroying herself and she, she saved herself. Now she really wants to save her kids. She wants to save her husband. So she starts going Ibrahim alayhi salam on her husband every day, right? And she starts dropping the Ibrahim alayhi salam, you know, لِمَا تَعْبُدُوا مَا لَا يَسْمَعُوا وَلَا يُبْصِرُوا وَلَا يُغْنِي عَنْكَ شَيْئًا لَا تَعْبُدُ الشَّيْطَانِ Like, don't worship the devil, you're going to burn in hell, Is I'm afraid Allah will punish you, etc., etc., right? So we, what, what, what we gather from that is, the, per, the person who's doing that is doing what Ibrahim alayhi salam would have done. But that's not entirely true. I want you to understand that's not entirely true. Ibrahim salam realizes the truth about this deen and he has more gentle ways of teaching and, and giving the message to you know, his family. And actually what the Qur'an is recording is the ultimate escalation. It's not, it's not recording the first exchange, like the moment Ibrahim salam found out that there's, or realized that he should be giving da'wah to his father, the first thing he did was, لا تعبد shaitan. Like, that's not how this works. But what the Qur'an records is actually the, the kind of the final episode of this exchange. How do we know it's the final episode? Because after this episode, he gets kicked out of the house. It, it, that's, that's actually towards the tail end. So the, the, the prophets made da'wah to their loved ones, but they made da'wah in a very loving, gentle, you know, progressive kind of way. 
And Rasulullah sallallahu if you look at the incidents of people that came in, uh, came into contact with him and he wanted to preach to them, right? It's actually very, very slow, progressive kind of messaging. And there are people that come to him and he's, they're coming, accepting Islam just by his behavior. He's not even pushing the message on them just by the behavior, just by some, some gentle words, some subtle words, etc. And then Allah explains his methodology, the, the way that you deliver Islam to someone. The methodology is explained, for example, in Surah Al-Fatih at the end by, by way of an analogy where Allah compares Rasulullah to a farmer that's growing crop. Right, so his people are like crop, and the thing with crop is it doesn't turn into to a tall harvest overnight. You have to water it, you have to nurture it. Some some plants are more delicate than others; they need more care. You have to remove weeds from them. There's this gentle process of the tarbiya of the sahaba, and you can even consider some people. Some seeds never grow; some seeds just don't grow. Just like some of the people of Quraysh never accepted Islam. That, that can happen. But that doesn't mean the farmer kicked them out. He's still watering them the, the same way. You understand? Like, that's it. there's a beauty in the way that the exchange happened. But that doesn't mean that the pain isn't there. So there's a, there has to be a balance between the pain we feel for the, you know, for the lack of guidance of a loved one, right? And the, our, our desire to turn them overnight. We, we kind of forget that we didn't change overnight. Like if, if you went through a change, there were lots of years where if somebody tried to give you a message, you would have been agitated, right? And so Ibrahim now says to his father, this is again, we're, we're talking about the height of escalation. And he says, I'm afraid that Ar-Rahman, the most loving, the most caring, uh, I'm afraid that some punishment will come touch you from him. Which is, you know, seems like opposite terms. How can punishment touch you from Ar-Rahman? And I'll acknowledge that there's a new emerging field in, in, in the area of Quranic studies where they're talking about the etymology or the origin, the origin of Arabic words that have to do with pre-Arabic languages, right? So they actually interpret Ar-Rahman differently from the Arabic language. I give that some value, but I don't think it can override the Arabic meanings. So for example, they'll say Rahman is actually already found in Hebrew Rahman. Right, is one of the names of Allah in the Hebrew literature, in, in Jewish literature. And there, it refers to Allah, the Almighty, the one who has authority. It has nothing to do with Rahmah. Right? So, and they say, well, look at, look at the places in the Quran where Rahman is used. It's a place where Allah has authority. Like here, He has the authority to punish. Right? So it must mean that that's the meaning of a Rahman that's being highlighted here. I would argue maybe that's a dimension of it, that, that for those who had that background, it resonated with them. But the Qur'an came, بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍ مُبِينٍ It came to these people. They weren't thinking about the original etymology of that word when they were processing the meaning of a word. They were looking at the Arabic meaning of the word. And that has to do with rahmah and loving care. So that reconciliation is something Allah wants us to have. The problem becomes, we look at a passage, we say, okay, this is, a, this is an ayah about punishment. How can Ar-Rahman be mentioned in an ayah about punishment? That must mean we should reinterpret Ar-Rahman to mean something else. No, sometimes Allah puts opposite things together. And that's Allah demanding from me and you to contemplate. How can that be? Why would Allah do that? Why would Allah put two opposite things together? These are actually opportunities for tadabbur. So one of the things we learn from this ayah, for example, is just because Allah is loving, just because Allah is caring, doesn't give anybody free license or you know, a free ticket away from Allah's punishment. And he could still be loving and caring and still punish. 
It doesn't negate it. For human beings, either they're loving and caring or they are punishing, they can't be both at the same time. But Allah can be Ar-Rahman and Aziz Dhuntiqam at the same time. And even as the beauty of this, these words from Ibrahim السلام, is that he's telling his father, you're going to get punished by Allah. But when he says you're going to get punished, I'm afraid Allah will punish you. He still wants to talk about Allah in the most loving ways, even when he's talking about Allah punishing. <laughs> so he, from his point of view, even still calls him what? Ar-Rahman. Like he can't, that's not something he ever lets go of. Now think about that for a moment. Ibrahim salam's relationship with Allah is such, the way he's discovered Allah, the love he has for Allah is such, that even when he talks about Allah punishing, he doesn't erase from his thought process how much Allah loves and cares. Like that's still ever present in his mind. You know, today a lot of people have this crisis. How can Allah talk about punishment so much? Allah, what do you mean Allah loves, Allah cares, Allah is rah- rahim? Look at all these ayat of adab. Right, and they have this crisis about, you know, is, is the God of the Qur'an, is the God mentioned in the Qur'an really merciful or not? Is He a vengeful God? And again, one of the, one of the beautiful gifts Ibrahim salam has given us, just in passing, is as he's talking to his father about the fear that Allah will punish his father, he still referred to Ar-Rahman in the most loving way. So Ibrahim salam in this ayah has shown love to two. He's shown love to his father in Ya Abati, and he's shown love to Allah with Ar-Rahman. So beautiful. And he has to balance both of them. And he, he wants to, he'll never displease Allah, and he doesn't want to make his father you know, the, you know, face punishment either. So he says, I'm really afraid that you're going to be, you know, uh, uh, you're going to be punished. A punishment will touch you from Ar-Rahman. And even, an yamassaka adabu min Ar-Rahman. Mas is another interesting word in this ayah. Mas is used in the in the dictionary sense of the Arabic language, isaba, like the, the least amount of contact between two things is called mas. So there's 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 lamasa, there's masa, there's there's other words that you can use for contact, but the most minimum kind of contact is mas in Arabic. So he's even though he realizes there's a punishment, there's a hope inside him that that punishment is minimal, right? That's, and that's that word is highlighting the love he has for his father and how unbearable that thought is, even though it's unbearable, he has to face that reality and tell his dad to deal with that reality. If I, if I were to give you an example of that, um, my dad's going to hate me for this, but I love him so much, I'm going to tell you. So the, the doctors told him that he needs heart surgery, right? Uh, a few years ago. And he's like, no, 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 these doctors don't know anything. I don't know, listen to them. I'm just going to eat more bananas, I'll be fine. Like, <laughs> so... And then another doctor, you're, you're going to need it. The stents aren't enough. You're going to need surgery. No, no, no. I'm, I'm really... And it's understandable. He's terrified. He's terrified. He's, he doesn't want to do it. Right? But then thankfully, there was a doctor who was mean enough to say, listen, if, this does, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. I won't spell it out because it, it hurt for me to hear it. But he spelled it out to him in, you know, like you know, tough love. Right? I had a friend like that, not in case of my, my dad. It was a friend I had in... Little Arkansas, he's also a cardiologist. And he used to tell me how he treats his patients. Like his patients would come in, you know, oh, so you, you, uh, you need stints. Oh, why do I need stints? It's okay, I just, you know, what do you eat? I eat six eggs every morning. I do this, that, like cholesterol champion, right? And they're not, they're not changing their diet and they're going to come back for surgery. Now he goes, listen, you don't have to worry about coming back for surgery. You're probably going to die before then. You're, you're going to die. And it's going to be painful. It's gonna, I'm pretty sure of it. I would think maybe probably in the next week or two. 
but I don't think you should get surgery. That might be uncomfortable. Death is a lot more convenient for you. Like he would sarcastically like, <laughs> and then his patients would get surgery. <laughs> All right. Because sometimes you do need tough love. But what we're getting with Ibrahim alayhi salam is this, he's sharing a harsh reality, but he's still not letting go of his love for his dad. And he's still, he's still speaking about Allah in this most loving way. It's this beautiful, delicate balance that he struck. And then he says, Because then you're going to be a protective friend for or an associate of the devils. And you know this what Allah what he's telling Allah or telling his father is that on judgment day you're gonna be counted on the side of the devil. You're, if you're siding with him now, that's where you're gonna be on judgment day. That's not what I want for you. Qala. Now the dad heard all of this. The father's listening and listening and listening and listening. And I want you to kind of for a moment, I want you to pretend to be the dad. Just hear it from the dad's point of view. My son, what did he say? What did he say? And you're just you're, you're barely holding in the urge to slap your son after the first line. Why do you worship this? And you're holding it in and he drops another one. You need to follow me. Then he drops another one. I, I you know, you're, you're, don't worship the devil. What did you say? Worship the... And then he says, I'm afraid that you're going to... Rahman will punish you. And you'll be a friend of the devils. Like he's just on and on and on. And he has to take a step back and say, how am I going to deal with this boy? This is no law. He's not looking at this as let me consider what my son is saying. That's not what's on his mind. You know what's on his mind? Wait, so does that mean you're not going to follow my religion anymore? Am I hearing this? Am I hearing some insubordination? Is that what I'm hearing? Like he can't even fathom that the son might be saying something of value to the father. That's not even the relationship. The relationship is, am I hearing that you're going to go a different way than me? The conversation wasn't even about Ibrahim salam. The conversation was about the father. Right? The, the conversation is the father should be changing his direction in life. But the father is not even considering, oh, should I be changing direction in life? The father's bigger problem is, wait, does that mean you're changing direction? Who are you to even... <laughs> you're you're going to... Forget about it. He doesn't even bring up how dare you talk to me this way. Or how dare you tell me I worship the devil. None of that. Watch this. This is, you know, Arabic students know. But this is. Turning away. You. This is, you know, like. The, 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 the predicate of the sentence became the subject of the sentence, strangely. It's been flipped. The khabar is first, the muqtada is second. Turning away, you are. From my gods. Ibrahim? Ya yeah, Ibrahim. This is not. No, this is. Anta an alihati, Ya Ibrahim? You know, we, we hear the recitation, we don't know, Allah is capturing a very aggressive moment. The father is raining down on his dad, you know, rain, rain down on his son, and he's just, you know, thunderbolts are coming at him. And he says, If you, if you didn't stop, if you didn't cut this out, I better not hear a word about this again. 
He says, if and if that doesn't happen, لا أرجمنك. I will. I swear by it. I will stone you to death myself. And then he adds, okay, if you don't stop, I will. I will murder you myself. I'll stone you to death myself. وهجرني ملية. Get away from me. And don't come back for a long time. Just get out of here. So but first of all, he said, if you don't stop, I will kill you. Right? That's not about... I want you to know that there's two things. One thing is the Islam of Ibrahim alayhi salam. I want you to remember two things. One thing is what? The Islam of Ibrahim alayhi salam. The second thing is the da'wah of Ibrahim alayhi salam. When he says, if you don't stop, he's stopping him from the da'wah. Not from the Islam of Ibrahim, from the... If you keep on doing this da'wah, if you keep telling me about this, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to murder you. I'm going to stone you to death. But even the father already knows the Islam of Ibrahim is impossible to stop. He can't stop that one. So what does he do? He, says, he gives two things to do. One, if you keep giving this da'wah, I will kill you. Two, get away from me. And don't come back for a long time. Just go me, go away from me, kind of like forever. Bali means muddat tawila. Go away from me for a long, long time. Go somewhere. I don't. I don't want to see your face. Why doesn't he want to see his face? Because he can't even tolerate the sight of Islam. So the da'wah to Islam will get Ibrahim alaihissalam killed. But his Islam alone, even if he doesn't give da'wah, is so offensive to the father. He says, "Get out of here." But in that, there is a confession of the father too, that the, the, the convictions of his, of his son are so powerful that he knows that he will never ever leave it. So the best thing, the fear is not going to work. Maybe fear will stop him from giving me da'wah, but fear is not going to work in him leaving Islam because you can't scare somebody to be, to be stupid. Once somebody has reached a conclusion, you can't threaten them to become dumb again. I, I can't unknow something. So the only thing I can do now is maybe I can threaten him with distance from me. I know he loves me. How does he know he loves him? He's talking to him even in the most loving way. All of, Ya Abati, Ya Abati, Ya Abati, Ya Abati, over and over again. And he's afraid for his father. He loves his dad. So he says, get away from me. So now he's even thinking, Ibrahim will be like, no, I don't want to get away from my dad. I love my dad too much. Okay, maybe I won't show Islam in front of him. Maybe I'll just go along with it. Right? So he says... And the dad is not necessarily saying, get away from me, never come back. He's thinking, when I say these lines, that he's going to come back in line. I mean, I think Pakistanis, Indians, Bangladeshis, they know this really well. Right? Parents do dramatic lines to get you back in line. Right? Never show me your face again. You know, and, uh, why? Because, you know, you didn't listen to something. You know, and the one that, if they were if they're gonna do that dramatic line, that's the way of getting you back in line, right? So he's hoping that Ibrahim is gonna come back to surrender. But Ibrahim has already surrendered to someone else. And the other thing about this ayah, the observation that I want you to know, is that when he made this this you know expulsion threat to Ibrahim and tried to silence him, he didn't respond to anything Ibrahim said. To anything. And this is a very powerful tactic of those you love when they are cornered and they know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. They know they're wrong and they're, in, in what, and they, they're highlighting something that you know is wrong yourself. Later on, we know his entire nation, they looked inside themselves and said, You're the ones that are wrong. Not just him, his entire nation knows they're wrong. 
But what is the dad doing? He's flipping, it's called flipping the script. He's turning it back around and you're the one who's offensive. Ibrahim, you're the one that is talking to me. You're, you're abandoning our tradition. In other words, it has nothing to do with reason. I don't have to explain why we do it. I don't have to explain to you why we follow this religion. I don't have to explain to you why we worship this culture. I don't have to explain to you why we continue this jahili practice. Whatever those practices are, I don't owe you an explanation. The explanation is, it is my, you know, these are my gods and I'm your dad and that's final. That's why. And in doing so, he's actually made the ultimate case that the, the arguments of the son, the deen of the son is based on reason, but the religion of the father is based on his authority. Right? And if you want to be loyal to your father, then you have to give up your brain. You have to give up your reason. And so that's the position he puts Ibrahim salam in. And there are millions of people around the world who get put in this exact position every day. Every day. They stand up for what's right and their own family comes after them and says, that's not how our family does things. Who do you think you are? Or oh, you know better? You. How old are you again? You know better than us? You're going to teach us? Get out of my house. You're going to have this scene play out a million times in households around the world. Because somebody took the way of Ibrahim salam, And somebody took the way of the father of Ibrahim salam. And so inshallah in another session we're going to talk about what Ibrahim alayhi's final response was to his father before we conclude with this passage. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.